I'm jelly-legged. I'm dry-mouthed. I feel like a male bird of paradise who is about to twerk his tiny buttocks in front of the female of his dreams. The season is almost upon us. My name is Owen, and this is episode three of Cop On. Please give us a follow on Twitter, at CopOnPodcast. Send us an email to CopOnPodcast at gmail.com. And with glittery banners of thanks to the marvellous Stephanie, you may also now stalk us on Facebook. We have a packed show for you today. A bit later on, we shall hear from Echo Aqua, a lifelong Manchester United fan who will give us his views on what the F is happening at Old Trafford. We'll also preview the West Ham game by hearing some of the tastiest morsels from Jurgen Klopp's press conference and by chatting with Salim Born-Galley, a lovely man and a Hammers fan who has a marvellous job in that he presents the Premier League on French television. All that to come. But first, is this Liverpool team ready for the new season? I chewed the cud of this question with Jamie Connolly in Los Angeles and Joe Cassinelli, who is a football correspondent for The Times and ESPN, and he lives in Spain. Here it is. Let's look at a little bit now at um, how ready we are then in comparison to our rivals this season. Now, this is just before the transfer window closes. We're recording this. So, there might be some crazy deals in the last few days. But very quickly, gentlemen, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you, obviously, the Liverpool player first and then a little list of the other teams. And you just tell me if you would prefer another player, the non, a non-Liverpool player and who it would be. So, for example, we start with the goalkeepers. Allison is Liverpool's player. United of De Gea. There's Edison, Leno for Arsenal, Courtois and Loris. Are you happy with Allison, or would you bin him for anyone else? I actually I saw a stat today that Man United gave up as many chances, um, and clear chances on goal as West Brom last season. And obviously conceded one of the fewest goals. So the stat was posted by Phil Blundell, who's um, someone who's, I think, very good on Liverpool Twitter. And, yeah. I mean, Alisson, I'm delighted we signed him. And in a blind world of statistics only, De Gea is probably the best goalkeeper, or at least in the top two goalkeepers in the world. Um, and, yeah, like I wouldn't necessarily want to trade Alisson on principle, but if you're offering me... a a straight trade with the hair. I mean, I'm not really gonna turn that down. I see. I would. I would turn it down because I would never take a Man United player again. I think we've got our fingers burnt with Paul Ince and people like that. I mean, I would never take another United player. But let's say, for example, okay, let's say, for example, he plays for Real Madrid, and would I take him over Allison? Their stats. I mean, different leagues last season, Allison's stats were very comparable to De Gea's in many aspects of the game. And I I think, yes, he's probably not as good as De Gea. OK, let's be honest, maybe. But there's not much in it. And just for that reason, I mean, I think that's I think we've got a good enough keeper. I don't know. What do you think, Joe? Um, I actually agree with you, and I think obviously Darren De Gea is a very, 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 very good goalkeeper. 
as as Liverpool fans, we can attest to his superhuman performances whenever he comes to Anfield, which you know seems to have been every year for sort of the last four or five years. And yeah, he throws in a clanger against a, a West Brom or someone like that. But I think that I agree with you just on the premise that I think that Allison is a better footballer than De Gea with the ball at his feet, and he's more of a proactive goalkeeper. I think that we saw at the World Cup. You looked at one of the problems that Spain had was that PK and Ramos were really used to playing with a sort of sweeper keeper, and De Gea is very much goal line goalkeeper. So he's sort of like a, a, a maybe a role, an extreme Rolls Royce version of Simon Mignolet. <laughs> you know the well, you know, that's the, pretty extreme. That's pretty. That's a pretty clean Rolls uh, Royce. But uh, yeah, Honda Civic yeah. to the Rolls Royce. A very second-hand sort of two back ends welded together. Honda Civic, the brand new Rolls Royce, but he's he's an incredible goalkeeper today. Don't get me wrong, but I think in in you know for the football that Liverpool want to play, playing out of the back, I think that as we saw in his you know in his in his debut in the friendly, I think that Allison is perfect for that. Unless we forget, he's actually two. I think he's two years younger than De Gea as well. So time is on his side in that sense. He gets used to Premier League, gets more confident in his surroundings. So I think that I'm happy with the status quo. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it's a good point. I mean, De Gea does stay on his line a lot more, it seems. And, uh, you know, but then, he, you know, he's probably told to by Mourinho, to be honest, with Mourinho's sort of eight zero one tactics or whatever it is. Um, uh, 8-0-2, maybe. eight one one. Um, Right back... Uh, we've got Trent, we've got Gomez, we've got Klein, we've got young young Camacho. Um, going through the other teams, United have got Valencia, they've got this new kid, Diogo Dallo, don't know who he is. Um, uh, City have got Kyle Walker and Dan- Danilo. Um, Arsenal, Bellerin and Lichtsteiner, Moses and Zappa Costa for Chelsea, and Kieran Trippier, Serge Aurier for Spurs. Hmm. What do you think, Joe? Um, oof. I actually think that if you factor in, maybe even taking Gomez out of the equation, just kill it, kind of as a centre back who can kind of cover it right back, which is a bit like sort of Toby Arroyd can do for Tottenham. Um, okay. I would say that. If you're just taking the Samuel Klein, Trent Alexander-Arnold, I mean, possibly you're looking at Manchester City with Carl Walker, who's just is just such an athletic specimen in that position. But I think that Trent is a better footballer than him. Um, and then maybe Kieran Tripper and Serge Aurier as a duo are a better duo than Nathaniel Klein and Trent, just because they're a bit older, a bit more experienced than especially compared to Klein, they're a bit you know, more productive in the attacking third. However, you know, you can make a, a very convincing argument that R2 are the two to have. Well, yes, okay. I mean, would you agree with that, Jamie? Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's much of a muchness in terms of... Us. Like, I think Trent is a fantastic right-back. Um, I think he's so exciting to have him. I think he'll nail down that position this year. I think Klein is a great deputy... And, I mean, looking at the other list, yeah, Walker's a great right-back, but I'd rather Trent and the rest of them on that list don't excite me too much. Ah, I disagree with you both. I would have I would have Valencia for Manchester United. We've started this uh, this run through the team with 
with two players who arguably are better than ours, De Gea. And for me, Valencia, I think he's been a brilliant player for years, as much as I don't like to say it particularly, but, uh, you know, respect where it's due. Um, but OK, maybe I'm in the minority. I guess I am. Uh, centre-backs. Um, we got Virgil and uh, Lovren, who are our clear uh, first choices, I would say. Um, United, they've got uh, they're still still unsettled. I think. I mean, they've got Phil Jones, Bay, Rojo, Lindelof, Smalling. Uh, Manchester City, they've got uh, Otamendi, Stones, Company, Laporte. Um, Arsenal are definitely going to play Socrates. I've looked at him a couple of times in preseason. He looks really good, Socrates. Uh, then they've got a choice of Chambers, Koscielny, Holding, Mustafi, um, Chelsea, Rudiger, Cahill, Christensen, Aspilicueta, David Luiz. Is he still there? Yes, he played today. And Kurt Zuma and Spurs, Elderweireld, if he's still there, Vertonghen, uh, Davinson, Sanchez. I don't know if I've missed anybody, but uh, I don't know. VVD and Lovren, they're the best. They'll do, won't they? Um, if we have to switch the pair, so rather than trading Lovren to someone, but if you know if you're asking me which defensive pair I'd like, mm-hmm. Van Dijk is the best defender in in the league. He's in the possibly universe. one of yes. the best defenders in Europe. And okay. no matter what shortcomings Lovren has, there's no way I'd give one of our competitors Van Dijk. Um, there are good defenders obviously in that list, and. I think Manchester United will sign another centre-back. I think there was noise about them going in for Alderweireld today. But, yeah, any team with Van Dijk has a fantastic chance of being one of the better defences in the league. So I'm sticking no in him. But ideally, you would replace Lovren. I mean, we've already spoken about how the there is possibly a gap at centre-back. And, yeah, I think if I could trade Lovren for an Alderweireld or a few of the other players on the list, I wouldn't have much hesitation in doing so. But that's uh, that's a whole other discussion, possibly, about whether or not our centre-backs are good enough outside of Virgil van Dijk. Well, there you go. I, yeah, I totally agree. Toby Elderweire, apparently, boyhood LFC fan and all that. But, uh, well, there you go. It doesn't mean much if he joins United. But there you go. Um I'm going to move straight on to left-backs, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll go to you, Joe. Uh, we've got Robertson. I mean, they, he's better than Young, isn't he? He's better than Benjamin Mendy and Zinchenko. He's better than Damian. He's better than Monreal. He's better than Kolasinac. Marcos Alonso. That's a good... That's a close one. Uh, and then you have uh, Ben Davis and Danny Rose from Spurs. I don't know. What do you reckon, Joe? Um, I think for the way that Liverpool want to play, um, Andy Robertson appears on paper and on performance to start to be perfect. Um, you know, the others you've listed them all there. You know, maybe Mendy once he's back from injury. Um, you know, they paid fifty million pounds for him, give or take a couple of hundred grand, uh, for a reason. Um, there's a reason that Robertson was at Hull. Uh, and Benjamin Mendy was a Monaco. However, Robertson's shown that with a bit of coaching and time, exactly what you can do. And I don't think I'd trade him for for anyone really. I think if Andy Robertson was English, 
there's a very good chance that he would have been the starting left back at the World Cup. Oh, definitely. Yeah, if he was Brazilian, he would he would have given Marcelo a run for his money. That's the right answer. Andy Robertson, best left back in the league. Totally agree. Um, we'll go slightly different for the midfielders, just because it's too it's too long to go through all of the midfielders of all the teams. My question generally is are we ready and we know pretty much the midfielders of the other of the other clubs the question is are we ready so we've got the list is Hendo, Fabinho, Keita, Milner, Lalana, Shakiri, Vinaldum. if we want we can play Grujic, Woodburn, Curtis Jones as well is that good enough to challenge to take them all on to take on your cities and your Chelsea's with Jorginho and people like that. What do what, what do you reckon, Jamie? Um, and it goes back to what we were discussing earlier. If Henderson is the weakest link in the three, and then you know if we have if he has to step out or if there's an injury and the replacements are, you know, the resurgent James Milner or the evergreen James Milner or Lalana or Wijnaldum. I mean, I think Shakiri wouldn't particularly want to see him playing central midfield for us. I don't think he, that... I can't imagine he has the energy level or the, the discipline. I'd rather him playing in a much more attacking role. Um, I mean, we have good players. And if you look at the... It's certainly, I think, where we're still weakest on a head-to-head basis. And I think is going to be a phenomenal footballer. I think Fabinho looks like he'll be a very good footballer. But again, it's this question of drop-off outside of the, the first choice. And I think Milner's played fantastically, and I think Wijnaldum's a good footballer. But I'd worry if one or the, both of them had to play for an extended period of time. Wijnaldum's a bit underrated, though, Jamie, isn't he? I mean, you know, he's, this is his year. He's reaching his prime. This is it. This is his year. He's going to go be the box-to-box phenomenon. He's going to replace. We're not going to miss Chamberlain. Um, he has a fantastic smile as well. I love, I love to see him happy. So hopefully he will have a great year. Okay. What about you, Joe? Are we ready? Uh, I think Jamie's, yeah, Jamie's nailed it there. I think that, as you say, we've we, Klopp has clearly identified where we were weakest last season. He looked at we were down to the bare bones in Champions League final, and I think that that was, you know, while there were the carriers boo boos, I think that was probably where the game was ultimately. Uh, lost from a Liverpool point of view in the field, but as you say, if Jordan Henderson goes from being your dominant first choice and that midfielder to the third out of the three names on the team sheet, that's a positive thing. Cater uh, and Fabinho are going to hopefully show their their class and show the reason that we've spent the best part of £90 million on them, but again, I think that you, know, you look at Manchester City's midfield, they've got Fernandinho, uh, Kevin De Bruyne, David Silva, Bernardo Silva. Just incredible, isn't it? You know, you look at those names and they, they essentially play with sort of seven forwards uh, and a couple of defenders. And it's brilliant to watch. I think that on a head-to-head basis, that is where we weakest. You know, you look at even the way that Spurs dominated our midfield last season when we played them twice. Chelsea have, you know, you've got Angolo Kante, Jorginho, who's going to be in there. You know, two very good players. Maybe question marks over who's going to be the third man in there. And then Manchester United, well, 
we've seen how good Paul Pogba is for France. You just need to see if he can repeat that form for Manchester United. But I think that maybe that is the one sort of position that can still be upgraded upon. I think that's one of the reasons that we were interested in Nabil Shakir. Mm-hmm. Yes, Nabil. That brings us on nicely to Nabil. This number 10 role. In a couple of words, gents, we still need him, do we? This creative midfielder, this this guy who can link the defence and the attack. I mean, do we need him as just a number 10? Do we need him on the wing? We need a, a mixture of all of that. I mean, but um, where do you stand? You know, do we need a player like Fekir? Do we need Fekir himself? Um, any body we add into that midfield with the talent of Fekir is only a good thing. Um, if that spells the end of or starts closing doors for Adam Lallana, I don't think I'll cry many tears. Um, yeah, he's a he's a great player who can play a whole range of different positions and whether he's coming on off the bench or allows players to, to rest or he, he can be a, a valid option to give a rest to to some of our front three, it would definitely be fantastic to sign him. But also, I would, having lived through Sturridge, um, his, or a history of, of Liverpool attacking players with serious injury problems, um, I'd also defer to the medical team. And if they've seen something where they don't think he can stand up to a, a league without a winter break and uh, the, the intensity of... of the Premier League, then I'd rather we get the powder dry and, and found someone else perhaps at another time or 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 even uh, if there is something to do in the last couple of days of the window. But I don't think there will be. Well, it's a very decent answer again. Um, yes, uh, uh, I I just worry. I, I think he'll buckle under the, you know, Klopp's crazy tactics. That's my, uh, you know, it's just, you know, he'll be willing but his body won't be able, I don't think, um, you know, judging by his recent uh, and, well, his history of, of, of knee problems. But uh, where, where, where do you stand on it, Joe? Yeah, well, I mean, I can't, I can't profess to have uh, followed Nabil Fekir's career closely, uh, unlike most of Liverpool Twitter appear to have. <laughs> However, um, I just think that, yeah, I completely agree with Jamie. I mean, I think we're a body short. And I agree on that. I think that, you know, if it sort of pushed the likes, while Milner's a good on this pro and will always give you his all, and Lalana will run a lot, you know, I think that if it kind of pushes them a bit further down the pecking order, I wouldn't cry too much. Um, However, and there's a reason that Klopp targeted a player, Fekir himself, but someone in the Fekir mould who can play attacking midfield and link the midfield and attack and fill in in the front three or in midfield. There's a reason he wanted to play like that. And we've all seen the, the screenshots of his interview and apparently he'd chosen his shirt number and stuff. So there's a reason Klopp wanted that player or that kind of player. Obviously, with regards to... I wouldn't sign a player if the medical team don't think he can stand up to it. And we've been bitten too many times with that, yes. you know, Andy Carroll, Alberto Aquilani, even Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain to a little, to an extent, even though that was a very unlucky injury. Um, Danny Ings. So, yeah, so I just think that, I mean, I defer to the medical team and to Klopp on that decision, but I ultimately do think that we are an attacking midfielder-like 
Joe, yeah. do you think Stokes could play, play 10 for us in top system? <laughs> well, this is the, the sort of thing at the minute, isn't it? Daniel Sturridge is amazing in pre-season. He's likened his Liverpool renaissance to getting a second chance with a girlfriend who dumped you. Uh, and we've all sort of fallen back in love with him, and yet we all know it's like the you know the girl who she's you know really attractive girlfriend. You can't believe you look. You're punching over. You went. You found out she's gone to a club and copped off with someone else, but you still forgive her. You still take her back, and then she goes and does it again the next weekend. And it's kind of Sturridge. I just think his injury record suggests he can't do it, and he's just going to break our hearts again, isn't he? I mean, I hope I hope we're wrong. And hopefully the club's medical staff and physios, who've sort of on you know the department's gone under got a complete reshuffle in recent months. Hopefully they've sorted out a new training regime for him that would allow him to play the ten. He's cl- I think he's clearly talented enough, clearly talented enough. But it's all injury permitting, which is a very big asterisk next to his name. Interesting and okay. We've just got one last bit to do. It's the forwards, the easiest one of the lot. Obviously, Salah, Mane, Firmino are brilliant. And we've talked about, yes, there is a big drop-off down to Solanke and Brewster and the like. Um, But slightly different question. I'll go to you, Joe, first on this. um, If you could swap any of them for anyone else... In the league, you know, would you, for example, swap Firmino for uh, Aubameyang? Would you swap Mane for, I don't know, Son, Rashford, Hazard, maybe? I think that this question, I think you can't take them on an individual basis. I think that because as a three, they function so incredibly well together that I think if when you take one part out of the three, you lose something. And I just, I wouldn't swap any of the three because I just think that the difference that that would make to the whole team dynamic, as we've seen on so many occasions, and we saw in the first half against Napoli yesterday, the counter-attack, the, 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 the counter-press and the, the breaks of Liverpool with those three, with Firmino picking the midfielders' pockets and the, the two flyers on the wing pushing forward. I don't, I mean... I just don't think you can. You can replace any of them. It's it's a thing of beauty, isn't it? With Cater behind them. Oh, my Lord, I'm looking forward to this season. Hmm. Indeed I am. Thank you so much to those two gents for joining me there. If you wish to follow them on Twitter, Jamie is at JJ underscore Connolly and Joe is at Joe underscore in underscore Espana. Next up... This. The more bookwormy among you, especially those who have studied military history, may already know this, uh, so sorry about that, but if you don't know this, Genghis Khan once said, The greatest happiness is to vanquish your enemies, to chase them before you, to rob them of their wealth, to see those dear to them bathed in tears, to clasp to your bosom their wives and daughters. I'm joined by Echo Aqua, who's a Manchester United fan. 
Nice to see you, Echo. No, and thanks. To you, Owen. Yeah, thanks for um, joining me today. Um, uh, you've been a Manchester United fan for for how many years? Uh, I couldn't say for as long as I can remember. Uh, I remember as a young boy, I lived in Newcastle de Lyme, which you know isn't in Manchester, but isn't far. Uh, and there was a lot of pressure to spot either Stoke City or uh, Port Vale. Uh, but there was also the familial power of my father. Uh, he was a big Manchester United fan. Got a lot of connections with Manchester. And while I couldn't tell you when it started, I'd say it's been quite a long time now. Okay. Um, so on a scale of 1 to 10, how happy are you with the summer transfer dealings? You brought in Fred, you brought in... Who did you, who did you bring in? Uh, so for the moment, there are three players. Uh, we've got Fred, we brought in uh, Joe Godello. Uh, from Porto, and also Lee Grant, which was a, oh, a bit of a surprise, but it's always good to have a backup goalkeeper behind a backup goalkeeper. So, but okay, I mean, how do you feel about that? Are you inspired by the summer business? Are you? Uh, I mean, I think that the challenges for Manchester United this year were perhaps different uh, to the challenges for other clubs. I don't think that this year it was a year where we really had to buy players to reconstruct and build. I think that Manchester United have got other problems. And I don't necessarily think that buying lots of players would have fixed those problems. So I'm not unhappy, but I'm also, you know, I'm not happy either. There we go. To what problems do you refer? Uh, I think we can all agree that last season perhaps wasn't the best season in Manchester United's history. I would say that uh, finishing second is obviously fantastic. Uh, But I also think that we have to look at how Manchester United finished second last year. I'd say that... Mourinho's plan or can we say if he had a plan or not it's not very clear but I think that it was very negative I would say that it wasn't very enjoyable and I think there's a lot of division among Manchester United fans I think there are those fans who are just happy to have the second place and I think there are those fans who are watching the games week in week out and are very disappointed that perhaps Mourinho's not getting the best out of his squad. You got 81 points last year as you said, you finished second, 81 points, which would have been very close to winning the league that, that year that Leicester won it. Um, would you accept 82 points this year as a sign of progress? Uh, we're talking purely, purely in, in the Premier, Purely in the Premier League. See, it's something that I always judge Liverpool seasons on. And despite all the all the excitement of, of Liverpool fans going into this season with the new signings we've bought. We got 76 points last year. If we had a decent run in the Champions League, I would accept 77 points as okay. progress. I wonder if you felt similarly about Manchester United. Uh, I mean, I think personally, I don't think that winning one more point than last year would be an improvement. I think that it all has to be in, put in context. So I think we have to consider, for example... Uh, how well are Manchester City going to do? It's obviously, there's a lot of tension in the online Manchester United fan community this year about how, why we're always comparing ourselves to Manchester City. But I think, unfortunately, that's the reality of the situation. I think we have to look at, do we just want to get a good points haul or do we want to win the league? Do we want to play entertaining football? Do we want to progress further in Europe than we did? Do we want to progress further in the Cups than we did? Uh, I think that... Winning more points would be great, but I think if we're not coming home with silverware and we're not playing football that's enjoyable and we're not getting the best out of our players, then 82 points, 81 points, 90 points, all of that is meaningless. Even 90? I mean, if 90 points is less than the 100 that Manchester City get and we're still not winning the league, for me, winning, like looking good on paper 
is one thing, but I would rather actually be playing dynamic, interesting football, and I'd rather be winning silverware. Um, so, would you say that winning trophies is the only thing that would justify such frightful, appalling, hideous, and just disheartening style of football that Mourinho tends to adopt? I mean, I'd like to remove some of those adjectives from my explanation, if possible. But I think if you have to play negatively to achieve something, I think that's one thing. But I do think that a lot of Manchester United fans, especially the fans who are going to Old Trafford week in, week out, want more entertaining football. If what Mourinho was doing was getting results, and by results I'm not just saying a good position on the table, but I mean winning things. If it's getting results, people would be a lot more forgiving than they currently are. Um, but I just think the fact that people are a bit disappointed by the style, but also the style isn't achieving anything, I just don't think that that can continue. What do you know about Fred? Uh, he is a bit of a dynamic midfield player. I think that the plan is to sort of match him up with Matic and put him behind Pogba. Uh, he's quite a prolific goal scorer. I've seen that he scored over 100 goals in five years, which I think if he, we've got the same return from him in England, if we've got 20 goals next season, that would be fantastic. If that's possible, we'll have to wait and see. Um, it seems, uh, you know, from an outsider's perspective, from a Liverpool perspective, that there's, there's, there's a real, there's a festering discontent uh, amongst United supporters. I mean, it's from the outside. I don't follow the forums. I don't follow Manchester United on Twitter. But it just seems like a few bad results at the beginning of the season could really turn the fans in a sort of hostile way against not just Mourinho but the the management you know the glazers I mean the, the chairman always seem to get blamed if results don't go well um is that is that fair are you close to meltdown I mean I think that meltdown might be a bit of an exaggeration mm-hmm. I think that people are certainly concerned they don't know what direction the club is going in I think that they've come off a very long period of sustained success, that there was a very sort of fixed style that Manchester United played. I think that Fergie was able to adapt to certain changes within the game, but I think there was nevertheless a constant style within that sort of within his reign. And I think that there's a big existential crisis, more so than discontent. I think people are really questioning in this current age and watching the other teams sort of change and develop. What are Manchester United about now? What is our style of football? What are our aims? Uh, what are our ambitions as a club? And I don't think that we're on the verge of meltdown. I just think that people want a more concrete idea of where we are and where we're going. Okay. Can anyone stop Manchester City? I mean, I don't want to put too much praise on Manchester City because it sort of hurts me to do so. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to talk about Pep. I think that we've seen <laughs> what Pep is capable of doing. I think we've seen the sustained success he's had at his previous clubs and we've seen that even though Manchester City thus far they've been unable to recapture the title and that's something that happens very infrequently in this country I do think it's very likely with the structure he's put in place with the style of football that he's playing and with the players that he has brought in I think it's unlikely that Manchester City are going to have too many problems this season is Manchester United the team that's going to stop that? I'd like it to be Do I think that's likely? Well, I think we'll have to wait and see how the season progresses. We've all seen, for example, the Chelsea team a couple of years ago. That imploded. No one predicted that that would go as badly as it went. 
we won't talk about who the manager was or why that went wrong. But we've seen Chelsea recently that they can go from champions to, you know, challenging for relegation within a matter of weeks. So we'll have to wait and see how they start the season. But I think the start of the season for all of the major clubs, all of the sort of top six, seven clubs, will determine how the rest of the season goes. And if Manchester City can sort of come out of the blocks and sort of storm the first few games, and I think it's likely that they could go on and... Uh, perhaps do just as well, maybe better than last year. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, I couldn't, I wouldn't like to say Manchester United are capable of stopping them. I certainly wouldn't want to say that Liverpool are the team that are going to come through and stop that. I think that perhaps Liverpool, with the strengthening that they've sort of gone through over this summer, they've brought a lot of new players. I think they'll challenge a lot more than they did last year. Afterwards, are they going to get the results? Have they sorted out their defence, etc.? That means they can get as many points as United did. We'll have to wait and see. But I think the likelihood of Liverpool winning the league this year are, I mean, it's as likely as, you know, Tottenham is as likely as United, as far as I'm concerned. I don't think that just buying a few players is suddenly going to change everything and turn everything around. Have you seen Naby Keita play yet? Uh, I mean, I saw him play two minutes against Chester, I believe it was. And was, was that not enough? To believe that, to you believe know... that we now have enough to over, overturn a 100-point Manchester City? I mean... You know, Kevin De Bruyne might figure out how to play football, Fernandinho as well. I mean, if everything goes wrong for Manchester City, perhaps this could be Liverpool's year. But I don't think that, you know, bringing a couple of lads in is going to change everything, unfortunately for you. Final question. One more question. Go on. Will Manchester United finish above Liverpool in the league this year? And will you put one euro where your mouth is. Manchester United are going to go into this season with the same manager, with the same squad, and I imagine whether that's fortunate or unfortunate, the same mentality. And for whatever reason, and that could have been the failures of other clubs, but Manchester United, with all of that, finished second last year, mm -hmm. ahead of Liverpool. And luck. Ahead of Liverpool. Mm -hmm. And I think that as long as nothing has changed fundamentally at the heart of Manchester United Football Club, I see no reason why they couldn't be done again. So if you'd like to take my euro, I'll give you my euro right now. Fantastic. This is radio, so you can't see it. But I, I, uh, I, I, I take you up on that offer. And um, yes, I, I, uh, over the airwaves, I shake your metaphorical hand. One euro it is. Last season, you finished 25 points behind City, obviously won the league. What has to be different this season for that gap to close? Oh, I've had more luck. <laughs> somebody gave me somebody gave me the look. What is luck or look? Uh, yeah, the unluckiest team. So, no, um, we have to be more consistent. That's how it is. Um, we know that. And we have to be, um, yeah. More clinical in the right moments, we have to be more aggressive in the right moments. There's, there's a lot of things. We can improve everything. We can improve our offensive play, we can improve our defensive play. That's all what we have to do. But again, you all ask me about the gap against uh, for City. What, what do we have to do? It's not had nothing to do with City. City had three points from us and we had three points from them. So that's it. We lost them in other games. So win all of them and it's good. But it's pretty difficult to do so. So because they are not only the big, the other big 
six or whatever. It's um, if you see what happens around, if you see how Wolverhampton acts, how Fulham acts, how Everton acts, how a lot of clubs um, don't want to forget anybody, but how they how they act, they have all ambitions. And when we go, can't go there, and only because we are Liverpool, we win the game there. That's that's all really difficult. But it's not only difficult for us; it's difficult for the other teams as well. So, and that's all. I don't think too much about it. How what. Um, do we have to do in general? I thought about it actually for the pre-season, but now we have to we have to to be in this championship mode. We have to come in a championship mode that we really it's like you you you, you jump in the water and you dive and now let's let's go for it until um, you don't have enough air anymore or oxygen that you have to go up again. Really, really that's the, that's the plan now that we really go for it. I know a lot of people think because we were that active in the transfer window and that active in the transfer window, that's, that's all part of the business, but that doesn't decide anything because how could we say now, how could we say we have to be or we want if we want to be, that's clear since ages, champion of the league, or, of England or winning the league. But how could we say that with what we, what about United, what about the other clubs? We are still, the champion is Manchester City. They didn't lose any player. They brought in Mares. So that doesn't make them weaker. We saw the game against Chelsea. That was impressive from both sides. Chelsea was in good shape, obviously, after a rather difficult preseason, I would say, and, and City as well. So they have top quality. We are still Rocky Balboa and not Ivan Drago. We cannot be. How? So we are the one who have to do more, to fight more, to, to do all, this, all these things. That that's, must be our attitude. We didn't reach anything so far. We went finals. Yes. Do we go to a final again? We should try to win it this time. And in the, in, in the league, it's it's exactly the same. We, we came to Champions League. That was a success, but there was still only to improve. Without getting Champions we have two two places, uh, three and two. Would be better than four. So that's how it is. And then we can talk. But in a moment, it's it's all it's it's nothing. It's like scientists without trying if really if it really works. We have to be like Rocky. <laughs> So, Salim, thank you very much for joining me today. It's deadline day. You're a busy man. Let's plunge right in there like a penguin in a belly flop competition. West Ham, it's been a very intriguing summer. What do you make of all the new guys? You signed Lucas Perez today. What do you, what do you make of the transfer window so far? Uh, it's a strange thing with, uh, with West Ham, with this... Uh, with this transfer and Lucas Perez, um, we have many strikers, many forwards with uh, this team, and um, you have many players, so like Arnautovic, Yamolenko, etc. And you pay four million pounds for Lucas Perez. Lucas Perez, a player who didn't do nothing with Arsenal, finally, mm -hmm. and finally we paid that for him. I don't understand why, but. Manuel Pellegrini, he's an intelligent guy, a smart guy. Mm -hmm. So maybe he knows how he can use the Gasparese. I don't know. I hope so. How do you feel about Pellegrini then? I mean, he's coming in, he's 64 years old. Yeah. I mean, as you said, he's an intelligent guy. Are you, you know, if you compare him to Bilic, I mean, you know, is it like completely different? Have yeah. You, okay. Don't forget something, Manuel Pellegrini. He won this Premier League with Man City a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Belic uh, did many things uh, with uh, a good play. Remember Payet, etc. Okay, but Pellegrini won this Premier League. So first thing, he has some respect from players, from fans too. So um, he did very well with Malaga too. 
he uh, did uh, this uh, quarter final with Malaga against Borussia Dortmund a few years ago. Remember? I remember, yeah. So he did very well with many teams, with players, with not many good players, but he did that. So this is a, an opportunity, an amazing opportunity to have a Premier League champion. Who's going to line up against Liverpool on on Sunday? We have Fabianski. Fabianski is, I believe so, it's a good goalkeeper. You have now uh, new players like Issa Diop. In England, maybe people doesn't know. Who... I was gonna ask you, yeah, yes. Issa Diop. Now, yeah. now, I, I, I mean, he's twenty-one years old. Yeah, he's one meter ninety-four, yeah. which means that you know he's still about one meter less than Virgil Van Dijk, <laughs> but it's very tall. Um, he's a very really tall guy. But he played for. He came from Toulouse. Toulouse, yeah. So, tell, yeah, I mean, tell us about him. He's good, is he? Yeah. Um, this is this uh, new French defender uh, generation. Mm -hmm. And in Toulouse, uh, he showed us many things, many, many good things. You know, I, I don't want to compare them, but in few things, we can see a few years ago, Raphael Varane, mm -hmm. really, yeah. in this interception, we, we saw that, really. So he's young, okay. But next to him, you have Balbuena too. He's a more experienced guy. He's another new guy. Yeah, you got him from Corinthians exactly. in Brazil. Right, okay. And Balbuena and Diop, okay, they are in a new champion, championship, this Premier League. Mm -hmm. But I really think together, they can do very, very well. Okay. So you expect them to start on yeah. on, 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 on Sunday. Exactly. So they'll, they'll they'll be your new partnership. Okay. Yeah. If we've ran for Fredericks, of mm -hmm. course. Yeah. Fred Fulham. Yeah. Yeah. Don't remember Fredericks was in the best team in championship last season. Yes, I saw. Amazing. That, yeah. And we we have this player free. Amazing. Without without paid nothing to Fulham. That's brilliant. It's yes. amazing to have him. Yeah. So with Cresswell or Maswaku, normally it's Cresswell. He's a good player, Aaron Cresswell. In, isn't he? Indeed, he's a, he's a good player. Cresswell, Fredericks, uh -huh. and Diop and Balbuena, uh -huh. Fabianski or Adrian. You have a, a good back four. Okay, a good one. So how will it, how will you, how will you line up in midfield? Then you expect to play a, a four three three maybe? Yeah, with Pellegrini you have uh -huh. two things: four three three or uh -huh. four four two. Okay. He really likes that too, mm -hmm. and he tried these two systems in this preseason. Okay. When you have 4-4-2, you have uh, Mark Noble and Pedro Orbien, mm -hmm. or Mark Noble and Declan Rice mm -hmm. in two. Okay. You have Felipe Anderson in the left position, mm -hmm. Yarmolenko in the right position, okay. and you have Chicharito mm -hmm. uh, with Arnotovic. Okay. Okay, you have that. You, you could have that, but... Now, so I don't think Lucas Perez and Antonovic uh, could play together. I don't okay. think so. And we have to know too with Andy Carroll. Andy Carroll is still here. He's still alive. Yeah, okay. wow. yeah, of course. Wow. You, we know that French teams maybe could want him. Maybe, maybe. I, I really love that. If Ren, this is a name, Ren maybe want uh, Andy Carroll. Ren maybe. in France? Uh, yeah. Maybe, wow. maybe, maybe he could uh, play again with Jeffra Sacco. Don't forget, today this is a deadline day for for this uh, transfer market. Yes. But in France, no. In uh, Spain, no. Mm -hmm. So we have many strikers today. Yeah. But now West Ham has uh, 20, 21 days to sell few players. Maybe in Spain, in Germany. I don't know. Maybe here in France, yes. Your 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 
you're working with the Premier League, you actually present the Premier League, that's your job on TV, on RMC Sports. I mean, what a fantastic job you have. Um, I imagine lots of people dream of having this job. What are the good things about it? What are the, what are the things you really love about presenting? Like, you, you know, um, uh, from September, I'll present to you the multiplex. Yes. Uh, I don't know if, uh, yeah, it's the same word in English. Uh -huh. uh, so in Champions League and in Europa League too. In Europa League, you'll have 12 matches in the same time. Wow. So you'll have to, to keep your eyes on 12 matches in the <laughs> same time. And really, I did that in other channel before, uh -huh. a few years ago. Uh -huh. It's amazing. Okay. In Champions League, I'll do that in six match. Uh, on Tuesday and six match on Wednesday uh, for the 9 p.m. Uh, matches, 8 okay. p.m. on uh, English time, uh -huh. six uh -huh. match in same time. Uh -huh. amazing. It's just amazing, yeah, really. Yeah. And that, I love that. I did that, uh, I did that, sorry, a few years ago in radio. In radio for the League 2, League 2 is the same thing like Championship in, uh, in England. Uh -huh. Championship, in French, we talk about League 2. Uh -huh. Uh, and really, when you have to do that for eight, nine, or ten match in the last last day, uh, the thirty eight day, it's a it's a ten match, and for ten match you have to keep your eyes on ten match. It's the best for me. Really, the multiplex is the best thing Excellent. in television or radio. Excellent. Thank you very much. One last thing: Have you met any? Uh, Liverpool legends in your time? Yeah, yeah. a few months ago on uh, which uh, it's it was Arsenal against United or Liverpool. Ah, I don't remember. Me Arsenal against Chelsea. Sorry, mm -hmm. I remember. So uh, we we were on the Emirates for for this match for RMC Sport, and uh, I met Michael Owen. Michael Owen. I, I don't know if you can call him a legend. I'm not giving my opinion. I'm just saying some people might have a problem with I the fact know, that I know. But he, he won the Ballon d'Or with he, Liverpool. He did. And he he won the UEFA Cup. Yeah, he yeah. won the Cup. He won the League Cup. Exactly. He won the European uh, Super Cup. So, mm -hmm. finally, He's a, a good forward for Liverpool, no? no? Absolutely, he had a fantastic career. I'm not he saying did. it's my opinion, because I, I sort I of, know, I I've know, sort I of know. forgiven him. I mean, I just think, you know, I don't I know, know, maybe he's a little bit challenged in his mental processes. But, uh, you know, he's a, I think he's, a, you know, he seems like a nice enough guy. And, you know, I remember when he played, you know, his hat-trick against Newcastle. Of course. But anyway, what's he like to meet him? Was it, was it a nice... Nice day, nice time. To yeah, you know, it's it was only maybe a uh, six six minute interview with him, mm -hmm. but uh, you know, um, my my wife watched that and take a, a picture for, and send this picture to Mauritius okay. to my family in Mauritius. Fantastic. And I uh, I received many texts. Oh, <laughs> you met Michael. You met Michael. <laughs> oh, uh, tell him I love him. Okay. So, you know, for in Mauritius. Uh -huh. Uh, Man United and Liverpool, this is uh, the best, best thing around. They don't know Barcelona, Real Madrid, mm -hmm. or is it, no, they 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 watch Champions League, of course. But mm -hmm. for them, Premier League is the most important thing around the world. And 
United Liverpool, Liverpool United, this is the best match around the world. Mm-hmm. You know they have uh, many towns in, in, uh, in Mauritius. Uh, this is one, Rivière des Anguilles, means um, Anguilla River. Okay. This is the name of the, this mm-hmm. town. Mm-hmm. And in this town, you only have United fans. Okay. Only. Okay. And when you have a Liverpool United or United Liverpool with a Liverpool shirt, uh-huh. be careful for you. Uh, I was last year for a big, um, big thing for RMC Sport, uh, and um, maybe really forty uh, percent for Liverpool, thirty-five for United, and a little bit for Arsenal, Chelsea, City. I don't know how you can City fans. I don't understand that, but why? Why not? But really, Liverpool and United. This is the most important thing in in Mauritius. Really, excellent, excellent. Well, Thank you very much. That's pretty much all we've got time for. I just want to ask you one final thing. Mm-hmm. What's the score going to be on Sunday? Ah, la la. La la. Many goals. Many goals. Mm-hmm. Many goals. Mohamed Salah scored. Will score for, okay. for Liverpool. Yes. But West Ham, West Ham will win this match. 2-1 uh-huh. with uh, notably uh, Balbuena. Balbuena will score for for West Ham, so maybe 2-1 for West Ham. I like it. I love your optimism. Thank you very much, Sally. <laughs> You're welcome. It's been an absolute pleasure. So, uh, yeah, um, all the best for the season. And uh, maybe at some point in the future, you can come back and give us another we'll chat to us again. But thank you so much, Sally. Thank sure. you. And so, sadly, the fat lady has almost sung for this episode. From the bosom of the cockles of my heartstrings, I thank you, cherished listener, for listening. As usual, please send us poems, love letters, ransom notes and death threats to coponpodcast at gmail.com. Please now follow us on Facebook or give us a follow on Twitter at coponpodcast. Go on, do it, do it, do it. I would like to leave you with this. Remember those finish the sequence exercises from maths class at school where you had to do, for example, two, four, six, eight, and then you had to finish it with, of course, ten. Um, I've got one for you. See if you can finish this one. Tick, tick.